Tiki Harmony. Hallelujah. It is wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. David said, I was glad. It's more than money. There are many rich people that are depressed without a solution. It's more than money. His presence is everything. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to continue on the series I started last week. I read from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20 verse 30. 1 Samuel, I read from the New King James Version. High five two, three people before we start reading and say, I'm glad you're sitting next to me. I am glad you're sitting, even if you don't mean a smile. Hallelujah, I'm glad you're sitting next to me. Hallelujah. The Bible says, then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. And he said to him, you, you son of a perverse and repentant woman. Hallelujah. He says, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? Verse 31. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely, what? Die. Verse 32. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. Verse 34. So Jonathan arose from the temple in fierce anger and ate no bread the second day of the month, for he was grieved for who? For David. Father had treated him shamefully. Verse 41. Verse 41. As soon as he had, as the lad had gone, David rose from a place towards the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another. Now this is not lips. Because we have to correct this thing. Some people have hijacked their love. And they kissed one another. This is how they used to kiss. Like if you're a Frenchman, and you know, they, they king, uh, so they haven't, they are not, hallelujah. And they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David more so, verse 42. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants, and my descendants, for what? Forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. This morning, I want to talk on the subject matter, a loving soul. A loving soul. Every soul desires to be loved and to love in return. However, we have been programmed from childhood to transact. And that is not a loving soul. A man called George Sand said, there is only one happiness in life, to love and to be loved. He said, but there are other things that make you happy. Like I said last week, you put a man on an island with a billion dollars in cash. After one year, he may say, no, give me this money. I don't need people. After five years, you say, take away the money. I need to talk to somebody. There is no greater happiness on this earth, 
not in eternity, on this earth, than to love and be loved. When people really love you, somebody says your net worth is really your network. Those people that love you, not those people you use. Those people, hey, did you hear me? Because uh, we think network, ah, who can I quickly take money off? That's not your network. It's those who really love you. When your child is born, they are born innocent. By the time they are grown, they become transactional. So a child tells another child, I am not your friend. Why? Because I want your toy. So there is something about a child that begins to learn to transact. That my friendship is the price of your toy. Am I talking to you? Then by the time they grow, grow up a bit, girls want the most handsome boy. They don't look at character. Why? Because he would make me look good. And the guy wants a girl that is beautiful so that he can score. Am I talking to somebody? Everything will become transactional in our relationship. So our brain, as we grow on this earth, is wired not to be a loving soul. We may say we love. Why? That is not love. Praise the Lord. The nature of transactional love is not of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For love, to be deemed love, it must be unconditional. For love to be deemed love, it must be unconditional. That means I give you this love without getting nothing in return. If you give me anything in return, I'm not expecting it. But this love is what? Free. John 3 verse 16. Popular scripture. For God so loved the world, and that word is so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his best that whosoever believeth in him may not perish but have what? Eternal life. In Romans 5 verse 8, I'll read this out. It says, but God demonstrates his love towards me because I have to own it. That, that, that whilst I was a sinner, had nothing to offer him, messed up, Christ died for me. Even before I was born, once I was a concept in his mind, he said, I will die for you. It was a one-way love. Christ is perfect. He saw my imperfection and thought the only way this guy can become perfect is if I love him. Am I talking to somebody? So it was not anything to do with Christ. It was us. The Bible demonstrates the love of Christ in Ephesians chapter 5, like the love of the husband and the wife. That's why... If you don't understand unconditional love, you, can't, you shouldn't be married. He said, Christ came to make me spotless, without wrinkle or without blemish. That means his love was to make me perfect despite my imperfection. And that's the reason why we say we just want to be with him because that is the perfect love. But listen, you cannot love a God you don't see. If you don't learn to give unconditional love on this earth, Love is not transactional. I am not with you for what I can get from you. It must be I am with you, period. Oh God. Say to your neighbor, true love, true friendship is unconditional love. Tell somebody as they didn't hear you. I'm not even going to say you tell them. It has to be. Some of us calculate in order to love. Proverbs 17, 17 says, 
A friend, that's a good friend, a true friend, loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. A true friend is a covenant friend who loves your up and loves your down. Not when you are up, they love you. When you are down, they run away. Or they gossip. At their dinner table, they are joking about your, your, your fall. That's why when they kiss you, oh God, sometimes, it is not the kiss of a friend because they were busy talking about your downfall. A friend should be concerned when you are down, not talk about you being down. Love covered a multitude of sin. Now, this my friend has fallen. Let me cover her nakedness, not to expose it. Death does not stop love. That's why I said between my posterity and yours forever. That means even when you die, if you die before me, your children, I love the same way I love you. Not, you know, there's a, there's a same way I come from. When a, when a hen dies, they, they, they pour away the egg. God forbid that when anything happens to you, your children get forgotten. And yet you have friends. Love is loyal and lasting. Love is loyal and lasting. Now let me take the text that we read this morning. We're looking at the life of a man called Jonathan and David. And the reason why back in the days when we are talking about this, this were the same gender. So normally we won't consider that sex was involved, but nowadays not so. Um, so, in the context of this, this was same gender. So it was meant to be love without the context of sex. Does it make sense? Because when a man says he loves a woman, after a while, somebody starts crossing the line. They start growing feelings. We are talking about, am I talking to somebody? This has got nothing to do with what I can get. Because sex itself is a transaction. We will talk about, the next time I'm going to preach, I'm going to talk about friendship and sex. We'll talk about that. Young ones, get ready. What can we learn from Jonathan? Number one, Jonathan was a hero in Israel before David came up on the scene. So when Jonathan met David, he was 10 years older than him. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 14 to 15, you can read that later. Jonathan with his servant went to kill Philistines and the Bible says their slaughter was within an acre. Just two of them. And the Bible says the earth trembled and shook. So Jonathan was a hero. Everybody was calling Jonathan's name before David even knew. He was still wearing pampas. He was 12 to 10 years older than him. So whilst he was slaughtering, David did not even know that he was going to be king. He had not even been anointed. He had been forgotten. So when his friend came up on the scene and everybody was shouting, not Jonathan, David has killed 10,000. Saul, 8,000. They didn't even mention Jonathan's name. Yet, he loved him. Love does not care. Love is not jealous. A true friend is happy when you arise. Not, you, know, you know when I, I begin to worry? It's when God bless you and someone says, I'm happy for you. I'm really happy for you. But when God will do my own, start running away. Are you listening to me? True friendship is happy for you, period. Jonathan was a hero long before David was even considered. And when David came on the scene, he loved him. 
And the love wasn't, well, I'm going to love you so that I can find a way of becoming greater than you. He loved him, period. Jonathan, we always talk about David. Today I want to present to you the love of Jonathan. A man who loved somebody and was not jealous about his arising. May you love somebody that you are not bothered. When we started together, we were rolling together. Look at him now. He lives in a mansion. Look at my story. Your friend's success is your success. He was excited, period, for, Jonathan, for David's success. Number two, this is what I learned about Jonathan's kind of love. He allowed himself to be displaced. He lost his place to Jonathan and he was to David and he wasn't bothered. Let's go to that first Samuel chapter 20, verse 31. I've got to read this. His father said to him, For as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore, send and bring him to me, for he must die. And Jonathan answered his father and said, Why should he be killed? What has he done? The father said, Listen. This guy is going to take your place. He said, I don't care. Why do you want to kill him? You can imagine if somebody tells you that somebody is going to take your place. Many of us will say, I reject it in Jesus' name. Some of us will come out before I go down. They must go down. You know, we have all this spiritual gymnastics that is not true love. We have quotes. We have Bible verses that we misquote to suit us. He said, listen, if this man is established, you are done for. He said, why should you kill him? Despite the fact that his father told him that, he did not expose David for he knew where David was hiding. He could have said, you know what, let's go. He, I told him to meet me somewhere. We might as well ambush him and kill him. He protected him. He made him leave and escape without harm. Are you willing to lose your place? A few years ago, there was a pastor's wife that we all, well, myself and my wife know, some of us may know. She knew that she had some challenges and that she may not survive. She had a daughter, spiritual daughter, unmarried. This is tough. If I, every time I consider, I always say, few women will ever consider doing that. She had a spiritual daughter, unmarried. She knew that she had no more than two, three years. And she groomed her to take her place. Ah, some of you, go, in Jesus' name. She, her love was beyond how she felt. She loved her so much and she thought, hold on. If anything happens to me, this my husband can't be alone. I've got two young children. You are the only one who understands me. And they entered into covenant. You are marrying my husband. Some of you say, God forbid, in Jesus' name, it will never happen. Can you love somebody to take your place? Hey, even I, I have to pray. <laughs> but you must learn, you must learn in life to know the standards of God. Jesus left his place, displaced himself that you may come to his place. You must understand this. Unconditional love requires you sometimes to lose things for a friend. And if marriage, when people say, oh, my wife is my best friend, I keep laughing. I say, no, just stop all this rubbish. If she doesn't cook for you for one week, she stops being your friend. 
if after one month, nothing, nothing, you see, fact, your face will change. So it's very transactional. Let's just thank God. Hallelujah. It is well. Mm. You know, my wife is my best friend. Stop lying. Ah. <laughs> if no food happens, after you start counting, you say, when I married you. Perfect love, you are willing to lose your place. Some people are able to, but there's still a, I mean, when a wife is pregnant and the man says that because of nine months, I couldn't, you know, she was sick throughout, so something had to happen, and you, you went to play away match. That's very transactional. And if you do not have a loving soul, you are lifeless. There must be somebody in your life that you love unconditionally. If you don't, you are just going through life. Your soul is lost. The third thing I want us to see about Jonathan's love, it was what we call a covenanted love. Just like marriage, he knew what he was doing. Some of us is, you know you meet people when they are young. When, who is that? My friend. When did you meet? In the park. When? Two minutes ago. You know, we, when we are young, we, we have all these people that they just attach us like flea. We meet them and they attach and we say we are friends. That's not covenant friends. You know what you are doing. I didn't just meet her and just say, by the way, come into my house. And after 24 years, who is she? She's my wife. How did you meet? She just came home with me. We, we got married. We knew what we were doing. We walked down the aisle. Am I talking? With covenant friends, you don't roll into friendship. At some point in time, you establish what you are doing. A friend of mine came to me and handed his son to me and says, if I die, that is your responsibility. Showed me his will and said, you are responsible for this. That's the day I knew, okay, we are no longer joking. We are covenant friends. That is what I say, when anything happens to you, your posterity is in my care. If you don't have people like that, then start looking around your life that maybe we need to up our game. Praise the Lord. So in that 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42, then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between you and me, between my posterity or my descendants and your descendants forever. It was what? Intentional. What they were saying is no matter what your condition or mine is or that of your posterity, we will love each other unconditionally. So that means whatever happens to you, or whatever condition I see your children, they are mine. That is why in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, Now David said, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan had died, but he said, I can't imagine that there's nobody in the house of Saul, for I have entered a covenant with my friend. I mean, verse 13 of that same chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9. He says, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. You must understand that no lame person should eat with a king. No lame person. That is not allowed. But he said, no matter your condition, I will break protocol. Jonathan is not alive, but Jonathan must sit with me. Even though Jonathan's kid is lame, he has a right. Listen to me, when you enter into covenant, you are saying no matter what, even if your child goes into prostitution, I will go to the brothel to bring them out. 
They are my responsibility. Don't take it lightly. Everybody tell me, you want to be God? I say, no, 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 no. I'm God, no God, no God, nothing. No God, you don't get me into covenant. Because once I enter, it's no joke. I have two God children. Three. Done. One boy, actually. My wife, is it four? Okay. <laughs> it's four. <laughs> two boys and two girls. Hallelujah. And I don't joke. Your child is writing an exam. They are not saying, I call. I say, excuse me. We are doing an exam together. What's going on? Am I talking to somebody? Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, know what you're doing. Tell them again, know what you're doing. One must intentionally become a loving soul. Nobody was born that way. In fact, most of us were not raised that way. In, in, all, in all reality, in coming to Christ, Christ is trying to get us to become a loving soul. So we must intentionally yield to this transformation, this renewing of our minds, this renewing of our souls that God intends for us. The first thing we must do to intentionally become a loving soul is to soul search. You must ask yourself a question today. Is there any relationship in my life that does not have a reason? Is there any relationship in my life that does not have a reason? One of the most unconditional relationships of the past used to be parents and children. Now, they have reason. They say, I, I am raising you so that you can take care of me. I mean, excuse me. But, but let's talk. So when my children say to me, oh, dad, don't worry. When I grow, I say, I don't want anything from you. Anything. You becoming totally successful in your life is my joy. Myself and my wife, we are working on our own independence. Whatever you become, if one day you say that is your, your birthday take, it's with joy. But I'm not expecting. But there are some that already demand it. You say I'm working hard. I am, you can see I'm sacrificing. So when I, in fact, your first salary. I, and then guess what? Once I retire, I'm going to retire in my village. Make sure you send offering. So the children are under, am I told, it's not, it's, so everything around you is conditional. This friend, how do you like? Ah, she's the life of the party. Once I enter party with her, uh, they will know I'm somebody. You know, those who name call. Who is this person? Ah, governor's, governor's wife. Who is the person? President's wife. Sometimes it's very annoying. And sometimes you have to check yourself. There are many dignitaries that have been introduced to me over the years. They come and they say, this is this person. And I love them. I honor them. Thank you, God bless you. But I don't even stop to say, what's your number? What's your name? I walk away. Because you don't transact in friendship. If God wants it to be, it will be. If it's not to be, stop fighting. When they say, who is going to be at that party? The governor. Ah, we must be there. What are you looking for? To connect, to transact. That is not life. Stop living like that. Soul search. It is not good. Even the governor needs a true friend. They can spot all of you connectors from afar. But somebody who is not interested. I was once on a plane. Somebody um, dashed me, dashed, blessed me with a first class ticket. So I was, this is about 10 years ago. I was on my plane to Abuja. 
In fact, I think a friend, I'm not sure whether my friend is, okay, my friend's wife is here. We are both on the plane. So I, I sat down in one corner. There was this man up front, an old man. Everybody. It was later I began to know names of governors, senators, senate president that were there. They would just go up to him and greet him. And I sat down where I was. About four hours into the flight, the man came up and said, who are you? <laughs> because I was just sitting there. Because everybody goes, I mean, everybody. This I said, I'm Reverend Ashai. Uh, from where? Which church? I said, it's a church in a village. <laughs> in the village. And in my mind, till tomorrow, I didn't even bother asking who his name. I don't even know who the man is. All I know was he must be a kingmaker. One of them who was there was, uh, I won't mention, one of the richest men in Nigeria, a senator, senate, ex-governor. He was giving dishing out is that when you arrive, come to my house in Abuja. I want to show you around. I did not go. If you don't learn not to transact, you must search your soul that am I connecting with this relationship for what I can get? And if your heart begins to say you are doing that, step back. Let God make a way. Let God, if you begin to transact in your soul, you begin to write a program that this is how I relate. And sooner or later, everybody around you will have a reason. And on the day you die, they will forget you. So such. Praise the Lord. Number two, carefully select. I'm almost contradicting myself, but I am not. Proverbs 12 verse 26 says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them what? Astray. Read it again with me. For the righteous should choose his friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. Tell your neighbor, select conditionally. Love unconditionally. Tell somebody, select conditionally. Love unconditionally. If you go and love the wrong person, they will damage you. Your love must be unconditional. Love everybody. But with that friend, you are willing to give everything. Don't give everything to everybody. Cast not your pearl. The first one is they will abuse you and use you. Are you listening to me? So once I select a friend conditionally, it's just like marriage. I'm not marrying everybody. I selected my wife and whatever transpires between us is just between us. Likewise, once you choose a friend, unconditional love, but make sure you don't choose the wrong person. If you rob the wrong person unconditionally, ah, Lord Almighty, I have had people say to me, Pastor, this your message is not true. I have loved people and they've hurt me. I said, this scripture you need. Select conditionally. The righteous is careful. You didn't just marry anybody. You know if you marry the wrong person, your, somebody say Kai and they know what they are saying. Your destiny will be tough. As you are trying to take one step, they are doing it. You are taking two steps, they are doing it. And you say marriage is disgusting. It's not disgusting. Just chose wrongly. It's always about selection criteria. Select correctly. Praise the Lord. 
What do you select on? We've already shared all of that last week, but I can crystallize all of that into a character. Check their character. Don't check what they can do for you. Once you have the right character, then I'm willing. There was something Jonathan saw in David, and there was something David saw in Jonathan. It was not about what they could give each other. It was what they saw. Praise the Lord. Men of valor. Both of them had slain. Both of them were, had strong character. Say, I love you. Make sure the morals, the values is correct before you start. And I told you if, you, if you see somebody who is very dishonest, don't love. One day they will sell you down the canal. And you start crying to Jesus, what did, who did I offend? Number three. Is that four? No. It's three. Thank you. Soul searching, carefully select. Number three, invest in friendship. One of the litmus tests of a loving soul and a loving soul relationship is the lack of need to maintain it. You don't need to maintain it generally. However, whatever you don't invest in soon loses value. You don't need to maintain friendship. A good friend. When you meet them after six months, you still carry on. However, when you meet them, honor them. You must invest. Praise the Lord. You invest your time in such relationship. Take time out. Book a holiday with each family or with yourselves once a year and go away. Nowadays, it's difficult. Stay in two different rooms if you're both men. You know, back in the days, <laughs> back in the days, two guys could say, let's go play golf, go to Spain or Florida, check into the same room, but nowadays. So, book two rooms. Uh, women, I still don't understand that one. They say, Women are still somehow graced. They are still the ones that say, let's go and powder our nose together and they still follow each other. If a man says, let's go and powder our <laughs> Hallelujah. Women get away with a lot, but with men, hey. So invest time. Make sure that um, you holiday together. Family outings. Take your spouses. Go out together. Get your kids to fellowship together. Invest in it. Invest money as well. It costs sometimes to, to, to show somebody that you love them during their birthday or significant period, a child celebrating their wedding, make sure that that person has a friend. I cannot have a friend on my daughter's wedding day. And then they say, who is that person? Just a friend in that corner. That person must stand by you. You don't need to maintain it. You don't need to say anything. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. On your day of rejoicing, they are there. On your day of pain, they invest money. If somebody says that you have a challenge that requires money, you don't have to ask them. They will rise up and pay for it. Are you listening to me? They will say you cannot go through this. So they must invest their resources on you or and vice versa. And number three, invest affection. You cannot be lead-lipped. So I said, no, no, no. I said the investing, you invest time, you invest money, and you invest affection. The third thing you invest in a friend is an affection. Nowadays that we have WhatsApp, just send a WhatsApp emoji. Love you, love you, brother. Nothing wrong with that. I love you, sister. Nothing wrong with that. Let them even just say, hey, bro, what's up? Why are you, I'm just thinking about you. Are you listening to me? That's how you maintain. Men are, now let me talk to us men. Let's leave the women. Women are able to get friends. Friends. <laughs> well, they have, to, they have to check their friends. But us men, we have no friend. It has been proven that as men grow older, they become lonely. Married, but lonely. 
Because there's something your wife cannot do for you. Can I talk? But my wife loves me. When she wants to go shopping, you can't. Even though you'll be turned into a girlfriend. There are some things that men do. And if you grow older, when you are 66, 70, and you have no friend, it's a bad place. Invest in friendship. Invest. Your wife says, no, why are you busy? No, listen, listen. I shouldn't say this from the pool, but I'm ready to say this. Do not let your wife steal your time with your friend. I love, it's for her own good. Oh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm creating family problem. Uh, <laughs> who do I, where do I go now? <laughs> that amen was loud. Um, you men, make sure your wife does not stay. It's for her own good. When she keeps saying, no, where are you going? You have to go with me. Yeah, it's all good, but when you grow older, somehow she will pick up friends. And then you just sit down at home, alone. Make sure you have boys day out. When you, you know we are Christians and believing that our boys day out is not to go and pick women. Because I have to define it. Knowing you people are, ah, that's why they are afraid. When you say you are going out with the boys, your wife begins to say, hey, hey, hey. No, you must be holy and honorable. Praise the Lord. When she knows that your friend has moral values and you have moral values, when you go out, it is clean. It is just to iron, sharpening iron. When you tell him, well, I think my wife is tripping. We say my wife too is tripping. What is the common denominator? This is what's happening. Then they both say to each other, it's our fault. Let's go and try this and try that. Maybe the electricity will stop tripping. And then... <laughs> We'll have a good life. And then all of a sudden, when every time you come back from your boy's day out, you are better. Your wife will say, go. But the next time you are misbehaving, go, 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 go to your friend. Every time you come back, you are better. It is nice to spend time. Because if you don't invest time in friendship, listen, you are hustling now. My wife, my children, my wife, my children, 66. Children gone. Wife has gone after children to take care of children, grandchildren. <laughs> And then you're solo. Wife, come back. We have grandchildren to have to take care of. What about me? Uh, you're on your own. <laughs> Hallelujah. We have been programmed to transact in love. That is not love. True love is unconditional. On what? Dishonor. It is God's kind of love. For God so loved the world. Every soul that does not enter into such is lifeless. I beg us. Develop this God kind of love. Make this year your turning point year. Where you say, I am going to love unconditionally. Listen to me. I know you are married and you have a spouse. Please, it is always by nature conditional, even though you love her. Because if that person does not do certain things for you, the marriage will soon start having problems. Am I talking to somebody? But you need, so don't call her your unconditional love. No, I love my wife deeply. But there are transactions that happen. So based on that, it is deep love, but it's not unconditional. You must have 
unconditional love. Develop it. And may the Lord bless you. May his face shine upon you. May your life be different. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you.